privilege tonight to bring to this platform a dear friend of ours, a dear friend of Christ Fellowship and their church family. I tell you, the Lord has brought the two of us together, has brought our ministries together, and there is just such a sweet, sweet harmony of what God's doing in the North Georgia area with pastors and leaders. I just, I just rejoice in that. And Don Allen is a very special man to this community. He's been here for many, many years, his precious bride, been laboring in love with one another, but this community, they have stayed when they could have left. They have worked here tirelessly and relentlessly, winning souls to Jesus by the thousands of people. Thousands of people in the North Georgia area are blessed because of Don Allen, his wife, his family, and the church at War Hill. It's an honor to have you here, Pastor. We're glad that you're back. I know you've been in crazy, crazy busy planning churches, overseeing churches, but it is such an honor to have you here at the North Georgia Revival once again. Would you help me welcome Pastor Don Allen from the church at War Hill? Take your liberty, Pastor. Obey the Holy Ghost. Well, the Lord is good. Well, it's good to feel like we're home tonight. Is that all right? I missed you guys. Been out preaching a good bit, but uh, honestly, where's Marty? Why didn't he just preach? My goodness. I thought, well, they've been praying, and somehow the Holy Spirit downloaded everything I was going to say tonight. So you'd think I'd say it shorter, but I promise you I have the gift of length. I can lengthen this tonight, all right? But what am I supposed to do with these miracles? Rejoice. Celebrate. Uh, I just want to say it's good to see you. You know, I'm, I'm thankful for all those who have gathered from around, but I'm thankful for all five of the churches that are represented as the host churches for the North Georgia Revival. Come on, let's celebrate all five of those tonight if we could. Thank you so much, those of you that have given. Humbled by those who have driven hours, days to be here, and just so thankful. I'd like to just say as well um, that I, I really appreciate uh, the victory listeners that are in this place. We really believe... Uh, that God's done something amazing, not only in our churches, but there was this crazy idea that right before the revival started, uh, we, we had this new shift that occurred at, at Victory 91.5, and we started this thing called the Sound of Revival. And God did something amazing through the preparation of the atmosphere. I mean, you know, God always wants to get things ready before he shows up. And so I want to thank all of you Victory listeners uh, tonight. And then I want to say a special thank you to the ISN viewers. My wife and I have had the honor, uh, I don't know how many states I've been in. She was in probably 14, 15 uh, this year. Uh, I've been in many multiple times from Maine to Alaska to New Orleans, down in Florida, all over uh, just the corners uh, of the nation. And everywhere I go, people walk up to me and go, North Georgia Revival. I'm telling you, when you're standing at Calvary, literally standing at Calvary, and somebody looks at you and goes, North Georgia Revival. I'm telling you, God's up to something, and we thank the ISN Network for helping us 
get this message out. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, well, let me pray for you, and then I just want to, I just want to ramble for a moment. Father, your presence is here. Your glory is in the house. Your anointing is evident. God, I ask you, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, that you will open the simple truths that we are to receive tonight that will prepare us for the miraculous. Come on, agree with me now. The truth that will prepare us for the miraculous. I thank you, Father, for what you have done, you're going to do, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. I think that before you bring a message, you should probably... If you're going to go to a church that's been fasting and praying for three days, you should probably take a moment to discuss with the pastors of that church what they should not talk about so they don't get up here and preach and pray your entire sermon. I don't feel like I preached at Christ Fellowship until I hear Pastor Karen say, that's good, that's good, come on now. And, uh, but when we have this move of God, I, I know something's up. Because you see, God, is, God has taught me some things, and as Pastor Marty began to, to minister, it's one of my favorite scriptures, I've talked about it here before, but it's one of my favorite passages that, that people don't understand, and it doesn't make sense, and people go, I don't understand why he said, behold this, and then he saw this. And when Pastor Marty was, was reading, I knew that he'd heard from the Holy Spirit. The songs, uh, they all talked about the glory of God and, and, and the order. And then Pastor Todd literally prayed my sermon. And I thought, well, let's just baptize now. Come on. But as Pastor Marty was reading that scripture, and he actually skipped part of it, and thankfully so, that it gave me something to preach. But he said that the elder says unto John, Look, stop crying because there is one worthy. There is one worthy to open the seal. Come on now. He says, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. I, I should have known you would talk about the lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah. And the Bible says that I, John, looked and I beheld as it were a lamb that had been slain. And a lot of people have a hard time figuring out why did he say look at the lion and he saw the lamb. Listen to what I'm about to say to you. This is important. People are closing churches down at record numbers because they have forgotten that there is one worthy who can open up the heavens, who can send the move of God, who can heal sick people, can set the captives free and deliver the lost. But you see, the reason that the elder saw the lion was he had never needed grace. The elder was not human. The elder was a being that had never been part of a fallen race. And so when he looked upon the Lord, he saw, listen to what I'm about to teach you here, he saw the power of the lion. But John, in his frailty, in his humanity, 
in his weakness and his sin, when he looked upon the Lord, he saw, as it were, a lamb that had been slain from the foundations of the world because he needed the grace that would be revealed. Now, why does this tie with what I, I want to talk to you about tonight? They began to sing about it in the songs they sang tonight. I believe that, that when Ebo was preparing the songs and, and, and the team here were preparing the songs that the glory of God was leading them because they sang about the glory of God. You see, here's the problem. You will weep thinking there's no one worthy when you have lost the glory. When you have no longer experienced the glory of God. Now, when I travel around the country, Pastor Todd is the guy that comes through and everybody's like, they're like, like North Georgia Revival. And I'm like, yeah, they're like that little guy that bounces. And I'm like, yeah, the little guy that bounces. And they're like, you know, he's, he's talking about miracles. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's always talking about miracles. And they're like, and, and, and water. And I'm like, they, what do those two have to do together? I said, come to Dawsonville. It's worth the drive where we change what fire water means. Come on now, amen. God's good. But watch this. I just realized they had the Moonshine Festival about three weeks ago. Come on now. They're gonna have to have the Revival Festival before we know it, amen. Watch this. They go, well, what role do you play? I said, well, you know the part he always tells about the guy he hated? That's me. I was sitting with the large, some of the largest churches in America this year, and they were talking about what God is doing. Somebody said, Pastor, tell them about what God's doing in Dawsonville. And I started talking, and I always share how Lorraine's cancer was healed. I share about scars that melted off. I share about how God touched my own daughter who ministered here on this stage tonight. I share about what God has accomplished, but then they always ask, did you do this together? How many of you? Five churches and now more do this together? I'm like, yeah, but, but we see cancer heal. And they're like, no, 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 no. We, we, we know God can heal cancer, but you mean churches can do something together? I tell them, I say, you don't understand. It was a church revival until God tore down the walls between us and we stood right here on this stage. Can, can, we, can we do that again right fast? Can we do that again right fast? And, and we, we instead, instead of standing like this, we turned like this and we took each other and, and right here we put our hands up like this and, and God literally almost broke the doors open on the building. Thank you, Pastor. When I tell them God healed somebody of 53 tumors or 50-something tumors or, or a blind person that can see, they go, okay, okay. But they go, really? God healed your churches? Now listen to what I'm about to tell you. This all ties together. The problem with the church is it's lost the glory because it can only see the grace 
We're trying to say, look at the glory. And they've lost the ability to see the glory because they need grace to make them feel better about their fallen state. Pastor, you meddling now. Yes, that's why he brought me here. You see, when you are in a fallen state, do you know why the Bible says that, that, that in the garden that they didn't know they were naked until they had sinned? Why? Because they were not wrapped in clothes before, but they were wrapped in glory. And when they stepped into sin, the glory departed. And those who had wore glory exchanged the glory for the need of grace. When a church will not let the move of God, the sanctifying fire of the Holy Spirit come burning into their lives and change who they are. Listen to me now. I can tell you which churches will not allow that. Are you ready? I'm going to tell you which denominations they are and which non-denominations they are. They're the ones who won't let grace flow through them to others in their life so that they can be restored because God doesn't divide his glory and we need grace and we preach grace, grace, grace and there's no manifestation of the glory of God. I'm preaching truth. We need the glory. The glory dwelt upon the earth and since the fall in the garden, the glory has been trying to manifest in pockets all over the earth. The glory. When I say glory, you think, you know, I, I was, Pastor Todd and I both have been invited to this, this meal. I was with a, a lunch this week and, and, and I was there with uh, uh, Jesse Duplantis. And how, how many have ever heard Jesse say glory to God? He come walking up to me and I looked at him and I said, glory to God. He looked at me and said, glory to God. And I said, just like him, glory to God. I said, I practiced it. Because I love the way he says, in heaven, you don't have to try to work up a praise. All you've got to do is give them an excuse for a praise. For the manifestation of the glory is something that occurs when the righteous speak it forth out of them. Now, you listen to what I'm about to say. The glory has manifested in Dawsonville, Georgia. Not because we're anything special, but because we found grace. And once you've moved from grace, then you can move on to glory. I'm, I'm taking you somewhere. You see, God's been trying to manifest himself in glory. Churches get afraid of a move of God. See what I said? He prayed my, my sermon. Churches get afraid because they're afraid that if the glory manifests, they're all going to fall because they're going to repent. And what happens if the pastor has to repent? 
I don't know, I'll tell you what happens. We call it revival. So the glory has to come. The glory manifests, but yet people don't know how to embrace it. And I want to teach you tonight what I've learned. And much of this I've learned through the grace of watching each other. You see, I didn't understand the passage of Scripture that says, let the glory of the Lord cover the earth. I didn't understand. I, I knew that Scripture says that all of those who had entered into the kabod of God, when they would come out of his presence, they would radiate with his, with his reflection of his glory. I understood that, but I didn't understand why it was important. And you see what you need to understand, the reason that it's important, that we learn to embrace the glory of God, that we... Holy Spirit just arrested me. I've got to give you one more thing. I, I told my congregation this this morning. The problem is we don't understand Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61 tells us we're given a garment of salvation. If you're blood-bought child of the king, you wear a garment of salvation. I mean, it's good. It's a gift. But there's another garment described in Isaiah 61 that's not a gift. It's earned. And it's called a robe of righteousness. And the robe of righteousness is when, watch what, what's this? It's when you all of a sudden begin to say, I have found grace. And because I have found grace, I'm going to begin to live a consecrated, holy life unto the Lord. And as I begin to live consecrated and holy unto the Lord, all of a sudden, the glory from the garden begins to descend again. And it wraps itself around you. And when you come walking in, somebody can say, I don't know what's different about you, but you've been in the presence of the Most High God. See, some of you don't understand what I'm talking about, but I was raised in circles to where the saints of old would walk into prayer circles and they'd pray until their knees were callous. They'd seek the face of God and fast until there was a move of God. And when they came into the door, you knew something was in the house. Am I making sense tonight? Because I've about forgot where I am. Jesse was given a description of when he encountered Jesus in heaven. It matched the description that Thomas gave, which we heard so beautifully preached right here by Pastor Johnny, that when he looked inside of him, he saw his glory. Jesse Duplantis said that when he looked inside the scars on his hands, you could see through them, but they swirled because there was, there were open wounds, but there was no longer blood for his blood had been shed and the blood had been replaced with glory. A manifestation of the glory of God. Now see, when I start talking about the glory of God, you go, well, I mean, obviously glory to God. Say glory to God. Glory. All glory belongs to God, right? You miss what the scripture says. The scripture says you shall be partakers in the glory of God. 
We are joint heirs with Christ and we shall partake in the glory of God. Now that's hard for us to understand because we don't feel like there's anything about our lives that deserves any glory. But can I tell you, when people get alone with God and fast and pray for three days and a move of God begins to happen and people are healed of their cancer and people are delivered and set free, all of a sudden we begin to take on the image of the glory of God and people see us and what happens is the glory that is upon our life causes a reflection upon the glory of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and God's looking for a church that will stop looking like it needs grace and will start standing up and declaring we are the righteousness of Christ. We are joint heirs with Jesus. We are the kabod carriers of the glory of God. Now the problem is we want it, but we don't know what to do with it. Can I preach a few more minutes? I told you I have the gift of lengthening this sermon. Listen to me. In the book of Joshua, chapter number three, before I read this, I want you to say the word hold. Say it again. Say it like you mean it. Joshua chapter three, verse number one says this. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left at the Achaia Grove and they arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went throughout the camp giving these instructions. Notice this. When you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant, carrying, watch this, the embodied glory of God on the earth. Watch this. You understand that he dwelt between the cherubim and you... Can I just tell you what just jumped in my heart? Some of you are like, I just don't know. I didn't come to church to hear about how good God is. I want God to make me feel better. Now, what you don't understand is I don't care what's happening in the world around us. I don't care how messed up things are in the world around us. I don't care what you've been through. I mean, I love you, but, but I'm really not, not worried about that tonight because my job is not to patty cake you for what you've been through, but my job is to remind you that uh, the words of Isaiah, that it was in the year that King Uzziah died. In other words, the year I lost my job, the year they were going to probably kill me because I was aligned with another king. He says it was in the year that King Uzziah died that I looked and I saw the Lord and he was high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. Do you know what happens when you stop looking at your problems and you lift up your eyes to the hills from which cometh your help? You get an image of God that will carry you past every problem. My goodness, I don't even have a voice tonight and I can still scream. Listen to me. He said, when you see the kabod, the presence, the covenant, the ark of the Lord your God move out from your positions and follow. You follow the glory. Since you have never traveled this before, way before, the glory will lead you. Pastor Todd did a great work in his other churches. I was a young pastor. Believe it or not, I'm a few years younger than him. I'm not lying. I'm, I'm, I'm significantly younger than him. 
I just look older. Come on now, amen. But I remember going over to meet with him and say, would you tell me how you're winning so many souls? Then I remember walking into another location where the presence of God was so strong. You see, we, we both have experienced revival in tidbits, but the reality is we're walking places we've never walked before. And I can tell you, as a first-hand witness, the care that has been given to don't let us lose sight of God. Listen to me. Here's the problem. Most of us get so excited about the glory that we speed up. But he says, since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. So what I want you to do, listen to this, this is important. I want you to stay half a mile behind. Some versions say, hold up, hold back, hold about half a mile behind them. He said, keep a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. You're going because of the, the because they didn't want to die. No, no, that's, listen to me. You see, most of us get so excited when God starts doing something. We just want to get up there. And the reality is he's got to grow you into what he's calling you to. I watched us. As God started doing miracles here so fast, I literally watched somebody one night get into a fist fight right here because they wanted to get into that water. I said, it don't work that way. Pastor Todd looked at me and said, what are we going to do? I said, it's your church. <laughs> he said, what do you think we should do? I said, you telling me I'm in charge? He said, fix it. I said, give me two buckets and as many towels as you can find. Anybody remember that night? And we went right over to this corner. I'll never forget the first person that I did that with. I dunked the, they got, they got the water out of the pool and, they, and I dunked it. And I didn't know what to do with that towel. So I just kind of took and threw it on them. And they just kind of did like this. And went, I went, God bless you, go home. Name of Jesus. Come on now. Amen. The second one, I was like, well, I'll be a little more spiritual than that. So I, I kind of just laid it on him and went, Jesus name. I was like, Lord, you got to help me. Pastor Todd, I told him I had this. The third one, I said, and I felt it. I watered that towel up and I laid it beside their head like this. Instantly, the miracle started happening. And they would fall, and they were all over this whole section. I think we had to replace the carpet. <laughs> this whole section. As hundreds of people received a miraculous move of the Holy Spirit on their life. The reality is you're not always going to know how to embrace the glory. But God's given you a plan to show you how. Here's, here's, here's what it is. You see, the problem is most of us think we can handle anything. I told my grandson one day, I like to rescue little horses, and sometimes we get a little horse that's been really abused, and I told my little, my four-year-old grandson, I, 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 he wanted to see the barn, and I said, well, I'll take you up to the barn, but, but I got to wait for Papa, and he's, he's full energy, and Papa's, well, Papa's Papa. Come on, you know something, I'm not running around while I'm preaching. And I said, wait for Papa. 
And he's going up the hill, so I thought, well, I've got to, I've got to convince him to wait for Papa. I said, hey, buddy, you see that new horse over there? He said, yes, Papa. I said, that horse might be mean. You might want to wait for a second. He froze for three seconds. Reached down, found the smallest little stick he, he said. He said, I'm not afraid of anything, and started on up the hill. The problem is, that's the way most of us approach the presence of God. And we're not even ready for it yet. You see, the children of Israel are about to step into the promised land. This is all they've ever waited for. But see, the problem was they had their eye on the promise. They didn't have their eyes on the presence. If they had kept moving at their own speed, they would have ended up lost. So God says, this is important. Follow the presence. The Ark of the Covenant symbolizes the presence of God, the power of God. He tells them exactly, he says, I want you to stay back about 2,000 cubits, that's 3,000 feet, or about eight and a half football fields, or eight and one-third football fields back. He wants you to stay that far back. You see, what he wants you to do is when God starts calling you into deeper things, he says, start walking that direction. But listen to what I'm about to teach you. He says, hold back. No, no, let me say that word again. Maybe you can help me. He says what? Hold. Help me, help me. Hold back. Here's the reason. He says, I want you to stay back far enough that you can still see me. No matter what. Listen to me. No matter what. If you're too close, you won't be able to see the attacks of the enemy that are coming against you. He said, but what I want you to do is I want you to keep your life set up so that every decision you make, listen, I'm preaching to somebody, that every decision you make keeps the glory of God within your peripheral vision. You see, because I was coming here to preach this message tonight, and so every thought, every action, I literally got up and just left the people who were in my house earlier today. I just got up and walked out and came on up here to the church. Why? Because every move that I made, I wanted to keep the presence. Am I making sense to anybody? I wanted to keep an eye on the glory of God. I wanted to keep, and some of you are going, Pastor Don, I just, it, it, that's not making sense to me. No, what I'm trying to tell you is before you say you'll go out with that heathen, you ought to check the presence of God. Before you say you'll go bind yourself in some kind of a business deal with the devil, you need to keep your eyes on the presence of God. He says you can sustain the walk toward the glory if you will keep the right distance so you're still living, but you're always looking at him. Hold back. What'd I say? The next thing he said is, listen, he said to them, he said very carefully, don't catch up. Stay back there. Don't get excited when you get there. There are those moments in your life that when he says, hold up, hold up, don't get ahead of God. I love the fact that every week's message is prayed over. I love the fact that who's on the stage is sought before the Lord for this. I love the fact that not just anybody can get in these pools. Hold up. 
If you want a move of God, some of you go, well, you don't see me. No, no, listen, it's not about seeing you. We're keeping our eyes on the glory. Some of you go, we gotta get it done. We gotta get it done. We gotta get it done. We're all the way through whatever letter tonight. It's gonna be whatever time tonight. You know what? I don't care if you're all the way to Z tonight. God's got miracles all the way to Z. But we, we didn't come here to get you through. We came here to get you a breakthrough so that God could break into your world and change your life. Amen. See, I guess the question is, so many times God starts moving, we say, okay, God, keep up. But that's the difference between being spirit-filled and full of self. The question is, are you spirit-led? Are you frozen by fear that somehow you're going to lose something if you don't act? It'd be better for you to wait and keep your eyes on God. Am I making sense? Consecrate yourself. Keep yourself holy. You see, the Bible says in the scripture that the presence of God was going to be moving among them. And so they said, consecrate yourself. The word is Kadesh, which means to sanctify, to purify, to keep your garment clean. Keep your eyes on the glory. And when your eyes are on the glory, you don't want anything that doesn't reflect the glory. Can I, can I tell you? When sin's in your life and you encounter the presence of God and all the rest of you begins to glow with the presence, you can see where the sin is. That's why the number one thing that you find in scriptures when they get in the presence of God, they say, whoa, 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 I am undone. Because where they fail reflects in the presence. We've got to learn to die to ourselves. I'm going to hurry. I'm almost done. I'm almost out of breath. You see, we are most alive when we are dead to self and we're looking at the glory. Some of the people that inspire me the most were a group of missionaries that were sent out over a century ago. They became known as the one-way missionaries. They would purchase single tickets to the mission field without <coughs> a return half. And instead of suitcases, they would pack everything they owned in coffins. When they sailed out of port, they told everyone they loved goodbye because they knew they were never going back. The glory was leading them. People say, why won't God move in our generation? It's because we keep buying return tickets to our sin. But if we would cut ties, Start moving toward his presence. Am I preaching truth? There was a man by the name of A.W. Milne. Any of you have heard of him? He set sail for the New Hebrides in South Pacific. He knew that the town that he had chosen was a town of headhunters. And listen to this. How's these odds? That's how we say in North Georgia. How's these Listen to me, every single missionary that had preceded him had been beheaded. 
but yet the glory was abiding in that direction. Some of you say the cost is too great for the glory. That's why you'll never move past grace to glory. The glory will require everything. Milne went, <coughs> he arrived. He did not fear for his life. He loved them. And for 35 years, he lived among that tribe. When he died, the members of the tribe took the coffin he had brought, placed him in it, buried him at the center of the town and wrote these words on his tombstone. When he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. As I prepare to close tonight, I want you to understand, <laughs> I didn't come in here to beat you up. My frailty of my body, because I've been traveling so much, <laughs> I couldn't even finish the sermon in our third service today. But I knew it's nothing more than an attack on a message that I believe is divinely from God. God has sent me with a word for you. This is important. It's so important. The presence of God has just broken through into our community. We are not <coughs> at the shadow days of this. We are simply learning to look. I will confess my administrative nature says move. And sometimes when he and I are together and I'm ready to move and he says, wait. I'm like, what's wrong with you? It's obvious. But I realized something. That he kept his eye on the glory when I had lost the glory for the process. You listen to what I'm trying to tell you tonight. God wants to take you somewhere if you'll learn to look to him that you can't go on your own. I'm gonna share something with you that's not necessarily found in the scriptures. It's written in the Talmud that <coughs> I find very encouraging. The first thing I told you to do was hold back. I told you to do what? Next thing I told you to do was hold up. Hold what? Up. Now I'm going to tell you, you need to learn to hold on. Because the scripture says in the book of Joshua, <coughs> do you have that last scripture? <coughs> tell the priest who carry, notice this, who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. I think this, this is, this is a, a, a part of the reason we don't understand how to move under the glory. Because we've raised a generation up that thinks the glory of God needs us to carry it. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. First off, the glory does not abide inside of an ark, nor in a temple. 
But the glory now abides inside of you. But I want you to listen to what I'm about to tell you according to the Talmud. There is a great discussion over this. It tells us that the ancient historians write that when the, watch this, I told you to hold what? That when, this is why I think this water has been important. This is why I think this move of God has been important. Because we've had a church for too long try to make grace work in the process when God is wanting to change things to the presence of his glory. If somebody wants to play something, I don't know if they come. And, but I want, I want you to hear me, what I'm about to say. The Talmud tells us that the debate was strong, but yet argued, argued by those who believed it to the death almost. That they said when the priest would pick up the ark to carry it, that as they started walking, if you would watch their feet, listen to what I'm about to say, you need to do what, hold, that they would actually be walking two inches above the ground. Why? Because God's glory didn't come for man to move him where it wanted the glory to go. God's glory came to take men where he wanted them to go. I know that's not in the scripture, but the ancient historical writings have a great argument about this. Why? Because it makes sense to me. Because every time I try to tell God what he needs to do in my life, it messes things up. But every time I start holding on to those nail-scarred hands, and every time I start walking, and I realize something, I'm not really directing this ship any longer. He's leading me. He's guiding me. My job is to keep my eyes on the glory. And if I keep my eyes on the glory, I find I can walk places I could not get on my own. I can get free them that I can't buy on my own. I can get healing that I cannot manifest on my own. Why? Because the glory of God says, hold on. I'm going to do something in this hour that you can't stop. The world can't hinder and I'm going to send the glory of the Lord. Watch this. Into my church. And that's how the glory of the Lord will cover the earth. Stand with me tonight if you would. I apologize, I preached one minute longer than I intended. But God's presence is here. How many of you want to hold on to the glory? You see, some of you thought I'll go there and I'll try it. Don't try it. Reach out and just hold on. So God, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you how to fix me. I'm not going to tell you how to put my family back together. Somebody needs to listen to what I'm saying to you. I'm not going to tell you how to set me free. All I want is your glory to change my life so that I can stop going to the altar, repenting over the same sins, and I can begin to become the righteousness of Christ, wearing the robe of his glory. The Holy Ghost is here. Bow your heads. We lift up holy hands. Just, just reach up and hold on. Just reach up and hold on. Just reach up and hold on.
Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Somebody sitting in your, listen, I don't know who you are, but you're watching right now. You're sitting in your recliner and, and, and you can barely lift your hands. Reach up. Reach, but Pastor, I can't. No, no, reach up. Reach up. Hold on. God's bringing you out of that chair. God's bringing you up out of that. There's going to be deliverance. There's going to be healing. I don't know who you are that's in this house tonight. Don't tell God, I need you to heal me like this. Come into these waters and start trusting God to heal you and deliver you and watch what God can do. People say to me, what was the key, Pastor? What was the key? I thank God for a, a man of God who reached the end of his life. I thank God for other men who gave the right words. I thank God for men like Pastor Lance and Robbie who preached those first services. Thank God for the willingness of the Holy Spirit to, to, to heal. But I, I tell you the thing that I think has been the greatest key has been repentance. Because we could never have known this glory without the grace. With every head bowed and every eye closed, your hands down for just a moment. Some of you going, Pastor Don, I'm afraid to pray again. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. It's because you tried to walk out the process on your own, but I'm inviting you to reach up and hold on as he passes by. In the church world of old, we would call to catch him by the hem of his garment. Hold on as he passes by. As the little woman said, if I can just touch if you're here tonight and you're addicted to something you're bound to something you don't know Jesus Christ you want to know Jesus you've not been serving Jesus the greatest thing of all is to introduce you to his grace but we're not going to stop there then we're going to invite you to know him in his glory but you'll never know his glory until you come through grace so if you're here tonight I'm not going to embarrass you I'm going to pray with you we all have our different way of doing this. This is the way I do it, right where you are. Let me just ask you, if you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I know exactly where I need to repent, what areas of my life I need to repent of. Can I see your hand right where you are? Put it up, hold it up high, hold it up high, hold it up high. Everyone else praying. Hold it up high, hold it up high. Come on, that's half that should be up. You know where your sin is. You know where, where your struggle is. You know, there you go, there you go. You're getting honest, you're getting honest, you're getting honest. Getting honest. See that? See, it's that stain that's reflecting that's trying to hold you back. All right, now put those down. God's going to deliver you in the mighty name of Jesus tonight. Some of you is going to happen in a prayer, and many of you is going to happen in the waters tonight. But there's some of you that's going to happen in the blood because you've not yet been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. You can't experience the glory of the fire of these waters because you've not experienced the grace of his blood. And tonight, if you're in this place and you say, Pastor Don, I don't know Jesus is my Savior. Or I've prayed a prayer many times, but I've not been serving him. I'm not going to embarrass you any more than I just embarrassed anybody else that raised their hand. But I want to see you so that I know how to pray with you right now. But if you want to surrender your life, everybody else praying right now. If you want to surrender your life, come on, I need you interceding to Jesus Christ right now. Can I see your hand? As you say, tonight's the night. I want to give my life. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. 
Are there others that will join with these that have already said this tonight? Come on, hold it up high. Hold it up high so I can see. Tonight's the night. Thank you, ma'am. Tonight's the night I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. Are there others that will join with these tonight by the authority and the power of Jesus Christ? Tonight's your night. I'm waiting just a moment more. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Come on now. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. God's about to set some people free. Literally, there's prayers of grandmothers being answered right now. There's prayers of mothers being answered. Righteous prayers that sermons preached are being, are literally, one has sowed and another brings the increase. But where are you? Hold your hand up high if you're going to give your life to Jesus. That haven't, and you're not already held, held your hand up. Where are you? Tonight's the night. Thank you. Are there others? Quickly, quickly, some. Don't worship right now because you're about to get double saved. Come on now. But uh, all right, are there others? Quickly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Looking around this room, literally, literally over a dozen people have already responded. Are there others? Tonight's your night. Tonight's your night. All right, the Bible says these words, that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we would be born again. And people say to me, Pastor, why don't you have them come to the front? Because I've seen enough people go to the front and cry over their sin. But here's what I say. We pray right where you are, and then I want to see you go testify in the water to what God has done in your life. So let's pray this prayer of faith right now. I want everybody in this room, everybody watching, to pray this prayer of faith that collectively somebody prayed it with us. We're praying it with these dozen or so tonight, right now in the name. I feel, my goodness, bow your heads quickly, quickly. We're about to pray. Who are you? Where are you? You thought you missed your chance. Where are you? God just stopped me. Where are you? I'm looking for you. Where are you? Holy Ghost. Thank you, sir. Are there others? Are there others? Right now. I feel the Holy Ghost. Thank you for those that are responding right now. All right, let's pray. Jesus. Come on, that, that doesn't sound like an army. Jesus. By faith. We declare your goodness and in the mighty name of Jesus Christ I repent of my sins tonight marks a death my sinful life dies tonight I come alive in Jesus Christ I receive your grace and from this moment forward I declare come on help me I declare God is my Father, heaven is my home, and Jesus is my Savior. Amen. Now, come on, let's give God a praise for those that just prayed that some for the very first time, many of you watching around the world. All right, let me get my team to go ahead and come to place. What we're going to do now, many of you, if you prayed that for the first time tonight, we want, I want to know, I want you to come right up front to one of the team members up front. And then we want to connect with you. But if you, uh, who's coming up for, for, where are they lining up? Right here? All right. If you have the letter A, there's fire on the water. I feel it. The glory of God is in the house. How many, how many are ready? Come on now. How many are ready? Amen. And if you have the letter A, now's the time for you to begin to come. And they're going to send you right where you need to be. What an honor it has been to be with you tonight in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.